wrote that song. It just brings a depth to the song that, that maybe we don't naturally think about. It, it impacts us on a personal level. Like if you've walked through something, if, you, if you've walked through something that Jeremy Camp has walked through or you relate to it in the sense of, man, I've, I've had hard loss. I, I, I've, I've walked through really horrible times and to walk out of that still knowing and believing in God um, is so powerful and so you relate to the song. But when you hear that he sat down um, within the first two weeks of his first wife dying and writing this song, to proclaim his, his faith in Christ still, that even death, even cancer couldn't steal that purpose. Um, he, wrote, he said this in an interview one time. He says, I remember not wanting to ask God why. This is talking about his first wife, Melissa's death. But I finally did. And he said, this is Jeremy saying that God told him, Jeremy, I don't always want you to know why because I want you to have a testimony of walking by faith. So powerful. We want the why. We want the why did I walk through this, God? Why, why did I go through the why? What is the purpose behind this circumstance? And God says so many times, you don't need to know the why. You just need to trust the one who is walking you through it. I want you to have a testimony of what you're walking through, of my goodness, even in the tough times. Listen, we wouldn't understand good times if there were not bad times. How many get complacent in the good times because they're just good? You know, everything's, you know, you just start to go, oh, life is just kind of boring. It's only boring because you're not walking through a bad time. But the moment you walk through a bad time, you go, I wish I had that back. You know, I remember, so uh, we were talking, I was talking about this this weekend, I forget with who, um, but uh, this January, I'll have been in law enforcement now for three years. Never my plan, right? Was not, I mean, I, prior to that, 15 or 16 years in full-time ministry. That was my, that was my path, that was my vision, my purpose, my plan. And I believe God's plan. Then COVID hit, and it, it kind of changed everything, right? And so, so I have to find a new avenue to make sure that my family's financially taken care of, because that's important, right? You know, putting food on the table and roof over the head. And so, but I would have never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would have gone anywhere other than full-time ministry. And so when I walk through that, it w it's easy to look, look and go, oh, God, why, 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 why? And I, and I said this this weekend to somebody. I said, you know, it's, it's interesting now that I look back, that transition between full-time ministry and, and bivocational ministry, meaning two jobs, um, that if, not if, when, that's the word I was looking for, when I get back to full-time ministry, that I will never take for granted, or I hope that I will never take for granted, the time that I had every day to focus on God stuff, church stuff ministry, planning. Listen, I did it for 16 years. There were days where I would go into my office in California and I'd sit there and I'd stare at a screen and I'd go, okay, what are we going to do today? Now, thankfully I had a, a full-time assistant as well that kind of kept me in line and would, you know, we'd come in and we'd meet every day and she'd give me a rundown of, of things that we need to get taken care of. And then I'd say, yeah, whatever, let's go do something else. Uh, she hated me for it, by the way. Um, she hated me. Hey, I have an idea. We're going to do this tomorrow. And she'd be like, ooh, because she is a planner and I'm not. And so, uh, 
And God puts those two people together, and it's, it's crazy. Um, and, and literally for the first three years, she goes, I literally thought you hated me and were just trying to do this to me. I'm like, no, you've been doing this longer than I have. I'm just a dreamer. And so I'm like, hey, this would be a really cool thing to do. And she's like, no, I got a plan for this. But now that I don't have that, now that it's like time restraints and I'm balancing all these different things that I'm doing, I'm going, God, I will, I will not take for granted the time that you blessed me with to focus fully on ministry. And I think when we go through those rough times, we look back and we go, I won't take for granted the high moments of life when I'm there. I'm not going to take for granted what God blesses me with, but I know that I've got to walk through some things to truly understand and appreciate this. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this. It says, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. I've actually read this uh, probably in the last month as well uh, in another message, but it says, each time he said, this is Paul speaking about, uh, he, he was talking about a thorn in his side, right? And he said, every time he would complain to God, God would reply, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now, we hate lines like that. We hate them. I mean, listen, if you don't hate them, you're a special person. But I hate lines like this. When God says, my power works best in your weakness. That's like when, when, when Paul says stuff like, I count it all joy to be persecuted. No, I'd rather count it all joy to like sit on the beach at a lake. I'd rather count it all joy to know that my bills are going to be paid every month. No problem. I'd rather count it all joy that my cars are never going to break down. Amen. I'm getting to the point where I'm just going to start take, uh, black tape over the little check engine lights. You know, if they're not there, they don't exist. But he says, my power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad, this is Paul speaking, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. How do we respond to life's toughest moments? And, and listen, if you think that I can answer that one question today, you're sadly mistaken. But I can, I think, give us a process to start, a starting point in life. And, and, I, and I talk about this all the time with life. Life is a journey. So, you know, we, where, where the church is royally messed up is we want people to go from not Christian to super Christian overnight. We want people to go from not reading their Bible to, like, studying the Greek and Hebrew. And, and the problem is, is that we, we scare people away from just the uh, reality of Christ, the an uh, invitation of Christ, the person of Christ, because we want you to be something that you cannot be. And so if we can just start one step at a time, 1% better today, 1% closer today than we were yesterday, then we start to collect the answers that God has for us. So how do we respond to life's toughest moments? Do we cave in? Do we give up? Do we blame others? Do we blame God? Do we stop believing? If I stopped right there, I think we answer a lot of where all of us have been at some point in our faith journey. I do. I've been there. I've been there as a pastor. I've been there where I've, I've been ready to quit. Multiple times, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Multiple times. Now, maybe not quit God. I don't think I'd ever walk away from God, but man, there's so many, well, there's one time in my life where I was ready to quit God, but I kept pressing through. Most of the time, it's just like, God, I'm done. You know, let's go. I tell my wife this probably about once a year. Let's just go buy an RV and let's go travel like nomads. I mean, doesn't that sound like a great life? It, it, it's, 
it, it does to me. Like, you know, maybe it's just TikTok and Facebook. You know, they, they show you the, all the glamorous parts. And I'm like, I want to go. I want to wake up in, you know, Montana and then wake up in Colorado and then wake up on the beach. Like, that sounds amazing. I don't know who's paying for this, but I, I love it. You know, listen, um, I'll sell and make socks. I don't know. Um, but but, but listen, if we stopped right there, and I remember uh, very clearly back when I was 19, and I've told you this story at least one time where, where I, was, I wasn't feeling God. I wasn't, um, I felt nothing of God. I was leading a youth ministry. I was their, their interim youth pastor, 19 years old. That's scary in and of itself. And uh, I remember I'd get up and I'd preach and, and teenagers would be like, oh man, that was such a good message. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, glad it touched you. I was feeling nothing. They would leave and I would, you know, I would do what I know to do, right? I would go through the motions in a good way. And I think that's the thing is that, is that we stop right before the, the blessing or the breakthrough. So many times in life, we stop before God can do something on the other end of a bad moment. And so we give up. So the alternative to all of those is, do we keep the faith? And do we trust God? The second part, it's not easy, but it's very purposeful. In that scenario, it came to a boiling point about four months in uh, of feeling like four months. This wasn't like, a, oh, I just ate something bad and we got over it uh, over the weekend. This was four months of feeling this way. Every week, preaching messages to teenagers. Every week, trying to lead a youth ministry. And every week, feeling so far from God and feeling nothing. But I would do the things that I knew to do. Pray, read his word, stay connected to God, stay connected to his people. And every week I would, I'd, I'd pray. And, and so finally, at the end of this four months, I, after everybody left church, I, I, we had these altars that went all the way across the stage. And so I just knelt at the altar. And, and it wasn't a polite prayer. Like, I think we're so used to saying polite prayers. Dear Jesus, you're so good. Heavenly Father, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Right? We just, we just cute little prayers. We just throw them up to God. I don't think Jesus was praying cute prayers in the garden. You know, we get a taste of it. It said that he prayed so much, so prayed so hard and so fervently that he sweat blood. Could you imagine that? That your intensity in your prayer is so focused that you start to sweat blood. I don't think they were cute prayers. Father God, oh, you're such a good God. Holy art you, God. Jesus, we, we know that he said things like, Father, if there's anything that we can do other than this, let's do that. But he circled around with, but your will, not mine. And so there I was, 19 years old, sitting at the altar, and nobody else in the room, just me and God. A God I could not feel, a God that I could not even tangibly say that, that I was remotely connected to at the point. And uh, I just started yelling at him, like, <laughs> okay, God, where are you? You, you say you say you have my back. Where are you? And I mean, I'm fist curled. I start punching the altar, which, by the way, is never a good idea. Inanimate objects always win. Um, this finger's broke. No, this finger right. Let's see what. This finger right here is broke because of it, not because of that. I punched a rock when I was mad at Stephanie one time when we were teenagers, by the way. Um, thank God I had my class ring on, and so I didn't break my whole hand because I hit that rock really hard, and the rock won. Um, and at this time, I'm punching the altar, and I'm yelling at God. Punching the altar, yelling at God. 
it goes on for like 15, 20 minutes. Still nothing. It's not like, it's, I, wish I, I wish it was one of those stories where I prayed in the breakthrough and the heavens opened and he was like, my son. Nope. Felt nothing, got back in my car, went, drove back to my apartment. The course of that night, and I'll, uh, the, the shortest version of that night is something really, 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 really interesting happened that night. And I believe that the, what the enemy tried to use for bad, God used for good. And it completely jump-started my faith again. You ever want to know about that? We can talk in private. It's not something I'm going to share over the, the microphone, but um, it jump-started my faith again. I remember 6 o'clock in the morning, waking up in a dead sweat, completely freaked out. And I called my pastor. Well, I called Stephanie first and said, you need to get over to my apartment. Um, secondly, then I called my pastor. And he said these words. He said, the enemy only comes after those that he knows are going to do something great. And so... It jump-started my faith. So many times we give up before that moment. So many times we cave in and we allow the enemy's lies to get to us. We blame others and we allow others to get us in the, get in the way of our relationship with God. We allow the enemy to allow us to blame God. And so we stop doing the things we know to do. So I have three thoughts for you this morning. And the first one is this, is that Christians will go through tough times. Any pastor in any church that preaches otherwise, run. Any pastor that says, when you come to know Jesus, it's a joy. Yes, there is joy. But I'm telling you, some of the worst moments, matter of fact, all of the worst moments of my life came after knowing Jesus. And it's not just because I knew Jesus at 14 and so there wasn't a whole lot of life prior to that. The biggest struggles, the biggest hardships of my life have come because I choose to follow Jesus. Because if I didn't choose to follow Jesus, my moral compass wouldn't keep me on a path where it makes decisions harder. Right? Me and my wife have a fight. What's the big deal to go get drunk and leave the house? What everybody else does. Oh, I fall out of love, so I'm just going to go get a divorce because that's what everybody else does. My boss talks bad to me. Well, I've got rights in America, and I'm going to talk bad to them. See how far that gets you. And we create, and listen, this isn't a, a beating on generation, but when we stop taking God out of family, you know, all this garbage about we take God out of school, whatever. When we take God out of families... Then we create generations that are far from God when it's hard times. People say, we, look, how, look at where we've come in America. Did, is anybody really surprised that we got here? You shouldn't be because, because America is not God. It is not the kingdom of God. It is humanity, and humanity does what humanity does, which is screw up over and over and over again. If you don't believe it, look at Rome, look at Greece, look at all the European empires, look at all the things. If you think America's that special, you are, you've, you've drank the Kool-Aid. That's saying, I love America. I do not want to go anywhere else. I love my freedom, but my hope is not in a president, and my hope is not in a country. My hope is in a savior that has an eternal kingdom waiting for me. So when I go through hard times, I don't, woe is me, life sucks. I mean, look at the disciples, look at the prophets, look at Paul, look at Peter, who all speak of persecution. Jesus, who warns of it, in John 16, he says, I have told you. 
All of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You're going to go through stuff. You're going to have your heart broken. People are going to treat you wrong. You're going to go through some of the worst things of your life. But listen, this is not the end game and this is not your home. And so I have won. I've gone to the cross. I have defeated death. And so eternally, we win if you can just push through the worst times of your life. If you can hold on to God, you will go through it. I will promise you as a pastor, as your pastor, that you will go through it. I know that's not a positive message that you want to hear on a Sunday, but I I think that so many times, like I said, we miss the mark as the church because we try to make you feel good instead of hearing truth. And when you hear truth and you allow it to seep into your soul, you will know good, even in the worst times. That's why, that's why the Bible says that you can have peace even in the midst of the chaos. I've experienced that. He brings peace and comfort. He brings wisdom. He brings purpose through all of our struggles. You will go through it, but you will come through it as well because he has overcome the world. So, Hopefully, with that being out of the way, the, the, the sucky part of the message, which is you're going to go through tough times. I want to give you the direction in which you should maybe walk, which is my second thought, which is where you turn determines where you, what you believe. Where you turn determines what you believe. Do you turn to God? Do you turn to word, uh, his word? Do you turn to worship? Do you turn to brothers and sisters in Christ when you go through those struggles, when you go through those hard times? Is your first thought, I need prayer, and so I'm going to reach out to my, my brother in arms, my sister in arms. I'm going to reach out to my life group. I'm going to reach out to my friends who know Jesus. I'm going to get in his word. I'm going to throw on some worship music. Or is it, I'm going to drown my sorrows in this? whether it's drugs or alcohol or just food, or maybe it's, maybe it's checking out. Some of us, some of us and, and I think here's another, you know, uh, my little soapbox on the church is that we always pick on the hard thing, the, the easy things, drugs, alcohol, sex, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, is that the majority of us mess up by just checking out. We check out of life, so we go and we just clock in, clock out, go home, binge watch some show on Netflix, eat something, and go to bed. We check out of being the best worker that we can be. We check out of being the best husband and wife we can be, the best friend we can be. We check out of life because we have bought the lies. So we turn to the world, and we turn to the enemy, and we turn to self-destructive comforts. And yes, they can be the big things like drugs and alcohol and bad relationships, but they can simply be, I'm going to shop even if I have no money in my account. They can be, I'm going to take out my frustration on my, my kids or my family members or my coworkers, even though it has nothing to do with them. It, it could be that, you know what, uh, when my car needs to be fixed, ah, screw it, I'm just going to go buy a new one. Yeah, I know, right? Like, wish, I wish that was an option sometimes. I tell Stephanie all the time, listen, we, we, her car's got over 200,000 miles on it. And I tell her, I say, listen, if the engine blows, it's a whole lot cheaper to buy a whole new engine than it is to buy a whole new car. I have to sell one of my kids if I want to do that. 
Which one wants to go? Well, that one. She's going to college. Um, uh, somebody else can have that bill. Um, <laughs> I'm just playing. My kids are all going to hate me. Um, but it's what we do. We, we, we turn to things that are destructive because they bring comfort. Anybody that says that sin isn't fun is lying. But it's only fun for a little bit. And then it gets destructive. It starts to eat at you. starts to feel shame and guilt and, and pain and suffering. And you start to uh, have to lie to cover your tracks. And you have to start to build this life that doesn't actually exist so that everybody else thinks that everything is all together. But instead, you're dying inside. So what you turn to determines what you believe because you can believe in God and turn to sin and eventually you will walk away from the God that you know because the sin was so enticing for a moment. Or do you turn to God? I love the line in in this song. It says, but it's now that I feel your grace fall like rain. What is he writing about? He's saying, in the midst of losing my wife, in the midst of complete tragedy, this is where I feel your grace fall like rain. It wasn't in the, the high moments. It wasn't when I first met her and it was all ooey gooey gushy in college and life was good. He, he, he knew God's grace then because they were going to Christian college and all this stuff, right? But it was in the tough times that he felt God's grace fall on him from every fingertip washing away my pain. John 1.14 says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and when he see, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his sin and forgave our sins. I love that line in John 1, 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. Every other God has made his home somewhere else. There's no personal relationship with Buddha. There's no personal relationship with uh, Muhammad. There, there, you know, all, and I could go through every religion and name their, their top deity or, or whatever, uh, but there's no personal relationship. There's do this so bad things don't happen to you. There's actions that will allow you to get to eternity. And Jesus says, all you have to do is believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. Salvation is a free gift. Belief first, proclamation second. So salvation's free. Anybody can get it. Anybody can know my goodness. Anybody can be forgiven of their sins. You don't have to look a certain way, be a certain way. You don't have to to know all the right answers. You don't even have to be able to quote John 3.16 to get into heaven. All you have to do is believe and profess. Now, what he asked for after that is for you to follow him. What he gives you in the midst of the worst moments of our life, he says, I'm here with you. I'm walking with you. My unfailing love and my faithfulness, my grace to cover you. The bridge of that song says this, well, the only place I can go is into your arms where I throw to you my feeble prayers. Well, in brokenness, I can see that this was your will for me. Help me to know that you are near. May I maybe encourage you that when you're walking through tough times, maybe you need to write that bridge down and and make it a prayer. God, I know that in this moment is the only place I can run is your arms. 
I'm not going to run to the things that I used to run to. I'm not going to run to the people that I used to run to. I'm not going to run to the, the, to the momentary things that give me relief and make me check out. I'm going to run to your arms, and I'm going to throw you my prayers, even if I don't feel like it, even if I don't feel like you're hearing me. Four months, four months I prayed knowing that God heard me, but I didn't feel it. I always say it like this, that it felt like my prayers were just hitting the walls and the ceilings and bouncing right back. What's the point? But it was in those moments where I had to continue to push through. Pray, seek him, be around people that I know. Because in my brokenness, in my hardship, in my struggle, I knew there was a purpose. So where do you turn? In those moments, because it will direct your path. Can I tell you, there's a, if you study flight, right? If a flight leaves LA, okay, and they're flying to New York. If at the beginning of that flight, that flight path gets off one mile. One mile. It doesn't sound like a big deal. That when it comes time for them to land, they will land in the ocean on the side of New Jersey instead of in New York where they should be. Why? Because although it just seems like a small little thing, one mile off, over the course of that flight, it becomes so drastic. And so many times we give the excuse of, well, what's the big deal? Everybody, well, they call themselves a Christian and they do this. Listen, if you live for Jesus based off of what other people do, you will always fail. Because you're not serving God, you're serving somebody else their idea of what it means to be good, their idea of what it means to be right. And just because somebody else thinks that it's okay for them, either one of two things, either it's not that big of a deal, and for them it's not a conviction, but maybe it is for you, or they're lying to themselves and they're sinning and they're not willing to admit the truth. But regardless, the thing I love about a personal relationship with Jesus is that it's not cookie cutter. There are, there are some black and white things. We know this is sin, this is not. Other things, they're called convictions. My convictions may be different than your convictions, but we still may be on the same path to godliness. But your convictions cannot be sin, and you go, well, it's okay, God's okay with it. No, he's not. He's not. That's the truth. And, 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 you know, I'd love to dive deeper into that because I think a lot of people get in, and, and which, by, by the way, just a small little plug as we wrap this up. Starting in a couple of weeks, I'm doing a series where you get, me, get to help me preach. So if you've got an idea or a thought or a question, there's some index cards in the back. Write them down, put it in the, the black bucket with the other index cards. We got some really good topics. And one of them is, is kind of wrapped around this idea of, of personal salvation. How do we, you know, the idea of losing salvation or saving salvation. How do, how, do we, how do we hold on to that? Well, when we start doing it on a personal level and stop allowing other people to dictate it. When we know our word, not just what's being preached for 45 minutes on a Sunday. So the last thought I have for you this morning, maybe end on a more encouraging note is that when God redeems your trials, know it's not only for you, it's for others too. When God redeems your trials, yes, it, there's a benefit and there's a plus for you, but it's not just for you. 
God never does something for you that isn't to be used for other people. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Hannah, you can come up. It says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. So God, in this this scripture, he promises two things. I'll I'll say he promises three things. A, he promises struggles. Here we are, back at point one. But he also promises that you'll be comforted. And if you missed it, he also promised you that you'll come through it. Right? He says, so that as you go through them, you can comfort others. And the third promise is that it's never about just about you. I'm a big believer that sometimes things happen to us because we are a walking testimony of God's goodness. But you may not like that. You may walk through something. God may allow something in your life that may have nothing to do with you and have everything to do with whether or not you're going to share it with the world. My pastor in California, he got cancer. Before I got hired on uh, at that church, he got, he got cancer. And uh, his first statement was, this isn't about me. This is for others. Sounds like a really stupid statement, by the way. If you don't know Jesus. <laughs> I got cancer. It's for everybody else. No, we're, it, you're not sharing it with us. We're not going to chemo. We're, we're not sick as a dog. We're not wondering if we're going to die. Like, I, But when you know Jesus, then you're able to say, I'm walking through this so that other people can see the grace of God and see that just because you get hit with something hard, it doesn't mean that your faith wavers. When we go through stuff. Now listen, faithfulness is not the same as perfection. Faithfulness isn't, I've got my stuff all together and I never have a bad moment and I never break down and cry and I never want to lose my stuff. That's not faithfulness. That's that's fake. Faithfulness is even in those moments, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to blame God. And and I'm not going to lose my faith in God. I may lose it. I may yell at him. I may scream at him. I may ask him why. I may do a thousand things. But listen, when you walk through it like Job, Job never questioned God. He questioned his existence. Some people go, well, yes, he did. No, he didn't. He never questioned God. He questioned, God, if this is my lot, then why am I even here? 
Lot's wife said, there's only one thing left for you to do. Curse God and die. His friends who, who were supposed to be there for him were like, what sin have you done that have caused this? Listen, you go through it because God allows you. What was the beginning of Job? Job was the fact that Satan came to God and said, your servant Job only serves you because he's rich and he's powerful and he's got all this stuff. God says, try him. Try him. See if he won't love me even without everything. See if he won't serve me and worship me and, and, and be faithful to me even if he has nothing. Paul says in the New Testament, he says, I know what it means to have a lot and I know what it means to have a little and nonetheless, I'm going to be faithful in all of it. So when we go through it, and we lean into God, and we lean into his word, and we lean into his family. We need each other. Amen? Okay, let's try this again. For all of you that think you can do it on your own, if you get nothing else today, you can't. Stop being stubborn. Stop being prideful. I just lost some people in the church. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. I have people I call. Eric probably loves when I talk about him on the stage. <laughs> I, I, I tell people this all the time about Eric. Um, he's probably the last person most churches would, would use or trust. Now, that may sound like a really bad indictment about him, but that's because they don't know him. They see an outside version of what he looks like. They get even the story of last week at the jail, you know, like, oh, where's Eric? <laughs> you know, they have this idea of Eric. Now, I've been blessed over the last five years to get to know Eric. Very personally. It hasn't been perfect. We've had our, our moments. We've also always worked it out. But I remember as plain as day, this, we were both having a week. He knew I was having a week, and he called me. He goes, I'm giving you a minute. I said, what? He goes, I'm giving you a minute. I said, what does that even mean? He goes, you've got one minute to gripe as much as you want. Oh, nobody gives me a minute. My wife doesn't even give me a minute. <laughs> like this, I feel special. He goes, you got one minute. I just... Man, here's, here's my tough week. Da, 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 da. So I said, okay, here's your minute. Da, 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 da. All right, cool. Now let's get going. See, the world passes by because he, he, we, we have this envisionment of what, what it looks like to be a follower of God or what it means to be a Christian. And, and so we don't trust people that don't hold titles or don't lead things. And this is not an indictment to any other church in Camden, but the Joneses have been to a handful of different churches in Camden because this is their whole life they've, in Camden. And I guarantee you, most of them have missed the blessing that the Joneses are. And I will say, as, as my friend, and um, not to get all emotional, but the, the blessing that Eric has been to my life. Because when you cut everybody out of your life, 
and you move to a completely different place where you know nobody and you don't have best friends and you don't have friends at all. (laughs) To have somebody trust you not only with their friendship and their families, but their eternal building up as their pastor. He he, he calls me all the time and says, who am I talking to? I'm like, "Uh, Scott, (laughs) I don't have second personality. And he'll say, am I talking to my pastor or my friend? I said, whatever one you want. Why? Because, and, and no knock on that, but the reality is, is that the, that's the fear that we have in talking to leaders. What happens when your leader is your friend? What, what happens when it goes beyond just church walls and you start to build relationships? That's why life groups are so important to us, it, it, you know, is because, because that's where you do life. This is, this is one thing, but man, when you get out of the, and we say it out of the row and into a circle, when you get into somebody's life and, and it's not about being ooey gooey emotional or anything like that, it could just be like, I'm, listen, you want to you know how I think about life groups? I'm like, hey, we went line dancing. I want to do a line dancing life group. Like, you know, some of you are like, oh, you've, you've, no, what are you, what are you drinking? Um, but how cool would it be just to come together and line dance together? It would be fun. But what does it have to do with Jesus? You're going to play country music in the church? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Um, Listen, because here's what happens is when we stop making everything about Bible, 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 Jesus, 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 and we start to do life, then we start to trust the Jesus in one another. I've seen you at your worst. I've seen you at your funniest. I've seen you when you cut loose. And so now I know that you're not just some cookie-cutter robot Jesus. You're a person that I can trust. What we walk through, we walk through for ourselves to grow our faith, but we walk through it for others as well. We are comforted to comfort. We grow in wisdom so that we can grow others. We are saved to share salvation. And I'll end with this thought from Jeremy Camp. If you've watched the movie, I still believe you see it, but he talks about it all the time in a heart-wrenching scene um, as Melissa and Jeremy are wrestling to come to terms with their initial cancer. This is the first time she gets cancer. Melissa looks at Jeremy and says, even if one person's life is changed because of what she goes through, then it's all worth it. Could you imagine looking at your spouse and saying, if I die and one person gets saved, it's worth it. Because I tell you what I would tell my wife, shut your mouth. That ain't happening. Not on my watch. I'm not a doctor, but we'll make it work. I, I, I wouldn't know how to handle that. And Melissa looks at Jeremy and says, if one person's life is changed because of what have I walked through, then it's worth it. Jeremy will tell you in concerts when he talks about it, Hundreds of thousands of people have reached out to him and told him, this one song in particular has changed my life. Melissa's short life has changed the world. We're afraid to go through it for the sake of Christ because we're afraid of what it might do to us. But what, what if what you walk through changes the people around you for the better? Because they see your faithfulness. 
because they see, though not perfect, you're still trusting God. Will you pray with me? My prayer this morning isn't really anything special other than I pray God's boldness and his purpose over our lives pertaining to what we're talking about. That we would have the faith to walk through hard times knowing that God is growing us. He's drawing us closer to us, to him. And while he's changing us and he's doing a work in us, he's also doing it so that we can share it with others. So, Father, I pray that that spirit gets ingrained into our soul. God, I'm not asking for perfect. Neither are you. You're asking for faithful. You're asking that when we walk through the hard times, that we don't just go to the things that bring us momentary comfort. You ask us to run to you who gives eternal comfort, eternal purpose, eternal grace. That God, that as we walk through this life, we're, we can't do it alone. We need others. We need our faithful brothers and sisters. We need your word. We need worship. And we need your presence. So, Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that's walking through it, God, that they would just they would start to release their trust to you. And maybe like me, when, when walking through their circumstance, it's not going to be an overnight turn. It's not going to even be an overnight uh, moment where they start to, re, to feel this comfort and this peace. But God, that they would battle for it. They would sit in the room every day and they would, they would spend some time in prayer and spend some time in their word and they would lean into their friends that know you because if they can't feel you, you are still there. You're still faithful. And we give up too soon. And the enemy's lies and the world's lies, they get to us. But God, I pray protection over those that are walking through it, that they would just trust you. Trust you. Yell at you. Share their anger with you, their frustration with you, their hardships, their sadness. That God, that they would run to you in their times of struggle and that you would walk them through it, whether it takes four days, four hours, four months, or four years. They would lean into you. And they would allow you to walk with them. And that the end game would be that they are comforted. They are given purpose. And they see your glory. And if one person's life can change because of what we walk through in our lives, then it is worth it for the glory of God to know that one other person walks through heaven with us. So God, I pray your boldness and your purpose over our family today. That we would go to live to make you famous. Every day, just trying to get a little bit closer to you and a little bit better and following you. I thank you for those in the room. God, I pray that those that financially give to continue to do what we do, not just keep lights on, but do things like National Night Out where we love our community, no strings attached. Bless them. God, let this week be a week of opportunities to show you off. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.